welcome to this episode of Battling with Bigness with me, Gareth Tennant. And me, Chris Kitchener. As you know, I'm a former Royal Marines officer. And I'm a product manager from the world of business. And we explore ideas and concepts around teams and teamwork, leaders and leadership, and all things in between. Comparing and contrasting our experiences as we attempt to work out what makes teams, leaders, and businesses tick. So, Gareth, topic for today. I know this was one that you've been talking about off the podcast for a while, but I'm looking forward to this one because I think there's a very military view of this and there's a very business view and we'll see if they touch in the middle. We've got a podcast where we compare these things. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So this is all about how you measure success. So I want to cover what in the military we call measurement of effect. And for the civilian members of the audience... I'll just say the word KPI and there'll be shivers down people's spine and we can talk about that. So, but I, I think that's such an interesting concept. We take it for granted that you measure for effect. So I'm, I'm going to cheat. We haven't, you know, sometimes we structure this and we think about it in advance. This one isn't one of those. Why do you think we want to measure effect? So I'll, I'll come on to all the definitions and things that the military have, but effectively, we have two things that we measure, or three things, actually. We measure effect, we measure performance, and we measure activity. And, of course, if you measure performance and activity, you are, you are measuring how well you are doing things, but you're skipping the really important piece, and we'll come on to this, and this will come up many times, I suspect, over the next hour. You're missing the bit where you're testing the assumption about what you're doing affecting the external environment in the way that you want it to. So if you're going to measure success, you've got to test that assumption. And the reason that in the military we talk about measurement of effect is because effect is a very specific word in the military, and it's all about the desired effect that you have on the enemy, on the environment, on other actors, on partners, on audiences of the civilian population, all of these things. The commander at any given level of command, when they work out how they're going to achieve their mission, the first thing they do after they've had their intelligence briefs and assessments of, of what the situation is, is they work out what what effect they want to have. And only then do they start to work back about how they're going to achieve those effects. But before we get into that, I think it's worth moving away from the military for a moment to talk about science because we're going to get into definitions about measurement and analysis and assessment. Well, I'm I'm also going to come at a very different angle for measurement effect as well. It was interesting as you were sort of talking about, I think, a traditional military view, but we'll come back to that. And actually, just before we go any further, I have to apologize. We do have... I was going to say a silent guest star today, (laughs) but he's not that silent. In fact, those of you who've listened to Battling with Business before, uh, there's one particular episode, which was a recent episode, where you can hear him sneezing in the background. And by him, I mean Ted, which is Gareth's dog. So Ted is sitting next to me and I can hear him heavy breathing. So if you listeners can hear heavy breathing on the podcast, Please don't get the wrong idea about either myself or Gareth. That is Ted the dog sitting next to us. He's actually quite a regular guest in this podcast, and avid listeners will will recognise his 
heavy breathing, shaking barking. up the tail and barking. Exactly. Anyway, I've completely, let's get back. So Sorry. you wanted to bring uh, science to this point. I, I want to take us to a whole new level of intellectual conversation. So are you aware of the Heisenberg principle? I am familiar and also not familiar with the Heisenberg. Well, Do you see what I did there? Yeah. <laughs> Luckily, a chap called Schrodinger created a very good thought experiment. So everyone will be aware of Schrodinger's cat, the thought experiment that tries to explain the absurdity of the quantum world if you try to think about it in terms of the macro normal world of standard Newtonian and Einsteinian physics. And, and in the quantum world, and I, I suspect in a future episode on future technology, we'll talk about quantum computing and we'll get into superposition and entanglement and all of these great things. But effectively, there are these really strange phenomena. As you think about subatomic particles, and if you think about them as particles, you expect them to behave as particles in the macro world. So think about pool balls on a pool table, you'd expect as they hit each other, you know, conservation of momentum and all of those kind of things, they will bounce off the cushions. And at the subatomic level, that doesn't always happen. And there's a very famous experiment called double slit experiment that kind of shows that subatomic particles behave as both waves and as particles. Uh, and that has opened up the world of quantum quantum physics. Now, I'm very much out of my comfort zone here, but I do want to highlight the, the the paradox of Schrodinger's cat and this idea that the Heisenberg principle, which is at the quantum level, you can't measure the position of a particle and at the same time know its velocity, so its speed and direction. You can either know its velocity or its position, but by measuring one, you are changing the state of that particle and so you can never know both and that's a really difficult thing to sort of get your head around the idea of schrodinger's cat being dead and alive is absurd as a thought experiment to have a cat that is both dead a lot dead and alive at the same time is absolutely absurd and the whole point in that experiment is to show that there is this paradox well you, we we should let's go a little bit more on the schrodinger's cat the point being there is a random chance that a, I'm, I'm shortcutting this. There is a random chance. There is a cat in a box. There's a cat in a box. There is some poison, yep. which is either released or not released. Yes. And there is a random quantum chance that this will be released or not released. And the point being made is... Before you open the box, though... The cat is neither dead nor alive. The cat is both dead and alive. Because this isn't random chance. This isn't flipping a coin probability. This, this is, is both. This is true. Superposition. Yeah. So at the point before you've observed, the the particle is both in one position and another, and and this is where the idea of the multiverse. So actually, in quantum theory, it could be in infinite positions, and there are infinite cats. And, and but, but but the point here is, once you open the box by observing the conditions, you change the state of the particle and therefore it picks where it is. And this is how in a quantum computer, a quantum bit, a qubit, has multiple positions. Unlike a binary bit in a normal computer that is either on or off, it is on, off, or both until you observe its status. 
at which point it goes from both to on or off, which gives you another level. So it's trinary rather than binary. But We're getting kind of into that. So your your point about measurement of effect. So is- the Heisenberg principle is you can't you can't measure and observe things without changing them. Now if we're thinking about things in the macro world, it's very easy to fall into the trap of thinking, oh, oh, well, this is because, you know, big clumsy instruments affect the system. But in reality, it's about this quantum superposition. And Roger Penrose, the physicist, I, I, and this is really stretching my understanding of this, but he, he talks about a, a situation where the observation of something not happening also affects the system. So you're not measuring it. By not measuring it, you are affecting it. So imagine you have a particle, and that particle can go in one direction or another, and you put a particle detector out, and then you run the experiment, and the particle detector does not detect the particle. So the particle has not gone past that detector, but by knowing it hasn't gone one direction, you You know know that it's gone the other way, you have now affected the system. Not affected your knowledge of the system, you have affected the system at that quantum level. You have forced it out of superposition by not measuring it, which really twists my brain. The point of all of this, bringing it right back to a well, military... I think, I think the point is we're not quite ready for battling with science yet. <laughs> not and yet. It, we'll stick with battling with yeah. physics and move to science at a later date. But, but that, that Heisenberg principle can be applied to measuring effects in complex systems. So bring it back to the military... If we take Afghanistan as a good example of a complex system where one of the strategic aims was to build enough security, enough rule of law to build governance, to build a functioning democratic government system to allow Afghanistan to rule its own security, to rule its own governance, to rule its own democratic processes such that the coalition didn't need to be there. There were loads and loads of things happening to try and make that the case. So lots of education programs, lots of building of schools, building of wells, building of you know, things that would generate local commerce, lots of training of the judiciary, training of the military, training of the police, all of these things as well as all of the traditional security operations trying to counter the Taliban, who were obviously trying to undermine the government and, and, and prevent these things happening. So how do you measure the effectiveness of, let's say, a local project to allow local leaders to apply governance to a regional area? You have to be on the ground doing it, but as the coalition being on the ground doing that, you are creating a conditional change. You are systemically changing the operating environment. And so you can't measure directly how much security indirectly creating governance creates because by going there, you are creating instability because you are the enemy. So I, I think I think the example you've given, there's lots of people that can say, well, luckily I'm not doing any nation building and I don't have an insurgency. And so this is a, a fabulous theoretical discussion, but it, it's not relevant to me. And I don't think that's the case. And we'll, maybe we'll go into a bit more detail on this later, but I think there is an equivalent that says you are running a project 
and you say, we are going to have a project governance meeting. And in that meeting, we are going to review and look at the project. I think it's the same impact. By having that project governance meeting, that has an impact on the behavior of that team and potentially what they report to you and how they report to you. So th- we we had a we had a podcast, which I really enjoyed doing. It was after a particularly difficult day. I'd screwed up. I'd missed something. And I realized, oh, there's a podcast in this, which is how do you know whether your project is not going well? Yeah. And one of the items I seem to remember was everyone tells you it's going really well. In other words, you go to the governance meeting and the purpose of the governance meeting is to successfully complete the governance meeting. And therefore, by you have impacted the reality and they're changing it. So I I think this is a really interesting point, but I I want to pull you a different way because I think you've trotted past a really important point. So you had said the military wants to measure effect. Yeah. And we'll talk about businesses measuring effect. But I want to ask you, why does the military want to measure effect? And 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 I'm not looking for the sort of the the first answer, which is, you know, have the have the enemy left the area. At, at a higher level, why do we care about measuring effect? Yeah. So this I'm glad you've asked me because this this allows me to to expand this out to start talking about the process that we go through. So we're talking about strategy, we're talking about complex systems, and we're talking about conditions where there are. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say Kinefin framework. You know, we're, we're talking about a drink next to me. Conditions where you know, the external environment affects what's happening. There are lots of things that we can't predict, lots of things that we don't fully understand the cause and effect relationship to. And so the role of a, of a commander, of a leader is to navigate through that complexity to achieve strategic outcomes. Yep. If you don't have feedback, then how are you as a leader going to navigate through that? Because you come up with your plan at the very beginning of this process, because you're you given a mission or you come up with an objective you want to achieve, and then you create a whole load of assumptions about the operating environment. And that those will be assumptions about stuff we just don't know. So we're going to make a best guess about yep. what it could be, yep. as well as assumptions about cause and effect. So my assumption is if I destroy this command and control node, that will have a direct effect on the ability of the enemy to cohere their forces and therefore it will dislocate them and create the conditions where I can then have a decisive attack here and create you know, winning conditions, whatever it is. These are assumptions. And of course, what could happen is you could destroy that command and control node and an even more competent commander might step up take control and you might find that the enemy's capability yep. you might actually find that that command and control node was a deception and it's not a command and control node that was a feint that was emanating loads of signals but actually they're somewhere else and you've made this assumption that you've had this effect and you haven't so you need to have feedback and we've talked about the importance of feedback before can i can i try and do something because this is a really 
good example of a real life thing that happens to me every day. So we work with teams. I have multiple teams and I have a strategic goal and there's a bunch of blah, blah, blah. Here are three real world examples where people get nervous and misinterpret what I am trying to measure. And I think this is this measurement effect. The first one is I say to my team, I want to measure your development velocity. I, we, we typically measure in something called story points. Story points represent pieces of work. So here's a piece of work. It's five story points. And so one of the things I want to do, and I regularly would do to a team is to say, I want to understand your velocity. I want to understand how fast you're going. And that makes people very, very, very nervous. Why do you want to know how fast we're going? Does this imply that you'll be angry if you don't think we're going fast? But let's start with that one. I want to understand the team's velocity. The next one is I want my teams to tell me when there is a problem or when they think there might be a problem. And people get very nervous about that because I don't want to tell my boss something's going wrong. And the third example is I want to use a specific set of tools to understand how my users use my software. And people say, why would you do that? Now, those are three real world examples. And I wanted to come back because I think, for me at least, and I think there's a good overlap, there are three reasons or three simple categories of reasons in my case. I think there might be more why I want answers to those three questions. So, Why do I want to understand my team's velocity? It is not to blame them or congratulate them. It is because I want to predict. If I can measure, that allows me some form of prediction. And prediction is highly valuable in my world. Yeah. So, and 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 what's interesting about this is there's usually a misinterpretation about why I want to measure. So the first reason I want to measure is because I want to predict. The second reason I want to measure, so when my teams tell me something is going wrong, is not because I want to berate them, not because I want to do something else. It's because I am here to help. My job is to help the team be successful. So I am measuring because I have an ability to support the team. And if I measure, I can tell whether there is value and a necessity in me helping the team. And the third one, and I used a very specific example about using tools to see how my customers use the product, is because I want to know if I need to do something different. Yeah. And I found that a really, I don't think that's an exhaustive list of why I want to measure things, but I think we spend so much time and and in the business world, we're eternally talking about KPIs. People almost forget why are we measuring in the first place. And I think prediction, the ability to help, and the ability to change, these are, the, these are certainly three that I've found valuable. And I think they overlap a bit with what you were just saying. We've hit a particular center. We want to measure the effect because we want to predict, does that allow us to move forward? Yeah, we yeah want absolutely. To, so I, I'm wondering, I mean, I, I, we haven't discussed this before, those three ideas, prediction, help, and a decision point for change. Do you see other reasons at that sort of category level why you might want to measure i i do and i so i want to the nervousness about asking the questions is a really interesting point i'm going to park it for now yeah i want to get through how the process works before we start looking at why it's difficult and 
sometimes where it goes wrong. Yeah. The point here is this is not just a military no, no, it's sort not. of strategic grand army thing. Measurement of effect is at this, you know, you, your, your example at the beginning was at the quantum level. Yeah. It's at the most tactical day-to-day level as well as the highest strategic level. So, so what were your three things? Prediction? Prediction, help, decision point. Help. Yeah, okay. So I think those are three very, very valid reasons. And, and that very much what we're trying to do so as a leader we're all leaders we've talked about that before you are having to guide other people and get them to do things hopefully for the achievement of the goals of the team so understanding what those people are doing and how well they're doing them allows you to offer more assistance more it might be more money or more time yeah. or more people or, you know, take the workload off them if they're, yep. you know. So understanding how they're doing is really important. Prediction about the future is that feedback loop that helps us navigate strategic complex challenges. And the third one about change decisions, ultimately, all information that we use to help support decisions, we've talked about that being intelligence, you know, that can be intelligence about internal process and how your team is doing, or it can be external information about how the environment is changing as a result of your activity or changing as a result of others. There is a crucial difference here, though, between measuring performance and measurement of effect. And, and the difference, and this is where this sort of more formal military process is quite important, the difference is, one, you are measuring what you've asked people to do or what you are expecting your capability to achieve. The second thing, you are measuring how that is affecting the operating environment. So if we think about a military campaign, there are geostrategic reasons why countries go to war or end up deploying military forces into a combat zone. Measuring the effectiveness of the overall military operation is the role of political scientists and historians eventually, but it's a geostrategic assessment and it's we're sort of slightly outside of that. We're at the level below that where we are trying to measure whether we can achieve our mission as a military force in a combat zone or in, in an operational theatre to deliver the decisive conditions that allow us to not be there. Because ultimately a situation where military forces aren't deployed is more favourable to one where they are. In Afghanistan, the coalition coming home, but with Afghanistan having a stable democratic government, was the decisive condition that we were trying to achieve. Now, ultimately, that failed. And I think a big part of that is the disconnect between measuring performance and measuring effect. And we'll come back to the Afghanistan well, no, but let's, example. Let's talk more about this perform the performance and effect. And it was interesting as you as you first said, performance is measuring, as it were, the what your team are doing. What you're doing, yeah. What you're doing and effect is the outcome. I I I don't know that I I'm willing to accept that yet. I don't know that I buy that because I think there's a really blurry line, as in what my team are doing, you could easily argue is velocity. You know, how fast are they going is the team? Are you going one mile an hour, two miles an hour, five miles an hour? Yeah. 
so through one lens that is absolutely performance yep. and in fact that's why people get very nervous when you say how fast are you going they're going are you questioning my performance yeah but actually it is also an effect it is an effect I, because of the work we are doing the effect is that we are going this fast and so this idea that effect is only at the sort of the strategic level or at the high level uh, no, 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 i'm I, not I, sure you, i buy that you're misinterpreting what i think so i how come I'm being clear? This is nothing to do with being at the strategic level or the operational level. This is about impact on the external operating environment. So how fast you're going is performance. What effect that has on the customer is the effect. What effect that has on the reputation and the brand of the company is an effect. So why that, are you that I'll buy that so, I'll I'll so let, yeah, let, let's be really clear what we mean. So performance is, by definition, a task or operation seen in terms of how successfully it is conducted. So if you are going to make a widget, you're a manufacturing organization, you're going to make a widget, performance might be how fast can you make that widget? How cheap can you make that widget? How precise are you know, the measurements on that widget? Yeah. How how long will it last for before it breaks? These are measurable things that tell you the performance of your manufacturing process. Effect is a change which is a result or consequence of action or other cause. If you've made a good widget or a bad widget, how does that affect the customer? Now, as a company producing widgets, you want your customer to be satisfied and you want them to come back or you want them to recommend it to a friend. You want them to come to you over somebody else because your widgets are better quality and cheaper. So your measurement of how fast you make them is a useful metric, but it's not a measure of effect. How many times a customer recommends you to somebody else would be a measurement of effect if you have increased your quality in order to achieve that. I think I'm feeling going back to our scientific, they're both a particle and a wave because I think these things are your, your definitions, you know, irrefutable, but I think these two things are directly connected. Performance of course they're connected. Is, is connected to effect. Yeah. So, so by definition, increased performance has a positive effect. Can, can do. In the, can, the, can, can. Because you can also increase performance and have no tangible positive well, effect, well, in which case you are potentially wasting money well, actually, and you can have negative effects that were unintended consequences. So the, the, the point you've made about them being intrinsically connected is absolutely true. And the first thing we need to do is, is measure our performance. The second thing we need to do is then test the assumptions about that performance achieving the desired effect. Well, this comes back. So in my world, Everyone gets very, very, very excited about KPIs yep. and scorecards. Oh my God, it's the sexiest thing in the world. We need to be more data driven, all, all of this stuff. And I'll I'll talk some stories about this. But first statement, which actually directly touched on what you've just said, is you have to pick the right things to measure because, as you rightly said, a measure of performance going faster may be a good thing that directly impacts how much you sell. Or it might just be a thing and it has no yeah. no impact on whether you sell it, it or it not. It might stroke some ego. So, 
that for me, yeah. I know this is, and I'll let you go back to the definitions, but it it's easy to talk about measurement as a good thing. Actually, I'll I'll quickly leap ahead and say measurement of the right things is a good thing. Yeah, measurements of the wrong things can be a catastrophic thing. Yes, and and what often causes some confusion, even in the military, when we talk about these things is the definitions I've just given for performance in effect could be applied internally. But as I said at the very beginning of this podcast, the military has very specific definitions of effect, and it's all about affecting the external environment. So what we're not measuring is how effective is the marketing team at communicating with the finance team, because that's an internal dynamic. So although there is an effect, we don't that's not what we're trying to measure when we're talking about effect it's how are we affecting the operating environment in the pursuit of our strategic goals so you can have the most effective communication internally but if it's not driving you towards operating i agree success, i agree but what but it's interesting because i'm and this is me one way you're going to be very unsatisfied and want me to stop doing this but you measure something to declare effect yeah and 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 so that that's really really important in other words it, it comes back to the thing that that the right performance is you measuring effect yeah that makes sense in other words this is going to sound crazy you can't measure effect you can only measure performance Entirely. how many people died this year this month in this region a smaller number that half the amount than last month we are having a positive effect on the the safety of the people in this area, if that makes sense. So I, I I question that slightly in that you can you can directly measure effect if the effect is a objective and directly attributable yes. physical effect. Yes. So you can measure number of attacks, number yeah. of widgets you've built, um, sales figures. Well, widgets you've built performance because that's internal sales figures would be a measure of effect because it's external. You have sold to a third party. If we take it to a military example, number of hours flown is internal. Number of bombs dropped, performance, because it's still internal. Number of bombs that have hit their target, we're now starting to talk about the effect. Now, we haven't quite got there yet, though, because a bomb can hit its target and not detonate or or not have the effect. So you can, you, it can detonate, it can destroy things, but the effect the commander wanted to achieve might have been to kill an individual leader, or he might not have been there. So, but I, 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 I've got to say, so let, let's go back, because I, I actually really like this. The, the widget example, which I gave incorrectly, actually is a really good example. At one level, it doesn't matter how many widgets I've made. It matters how many widgets I've sold. Now, to sell that many widgets, I have to have made that yes. many. But, but, but that's different. The reason why I say that is because there's a thing in my world, and I don't know if this is the correct definition, but vanity metrics. Yeah. We get very excited about measuring things. If you've got a good dashboard, people think kitchener's on top of his business because he's got a good dashboard yeah but i think that's the widget example is a good example of if you know that you are always your widget production always outstrips sales 
you don't need to measure your widget production. That is not the most interesting thing to measure. You yeah. measure your sales. Yeah. If you think your constraining factor in your sales is your widget production, you should measure your widget production. Yeah. And there's an implication that goes there as well. And I've done this. I've derailed because I know you had a really good way you were going to talk about all of this. It is really important. We, we've The first thing that we said was, it is important to measure the right things to understand effect. Yeah. I'll go one step further. It is important to measure the smallest number of valuable things. Yeah. And, and, and this is counterintuitive because people get so excited about gathering data. Perfect example. I used to, I, and I apologize. I may have told this story before. Uh, when I used to work at Adobe, I would talk to the Acrobat team and I once spoke to the Acrobat product manager and he got very excited and said, we instrument the whole of Acrobat. So we know exactly how users are using our product and that will help us make better decisions. And he said, look, look, every day I get four gigabytes of data. So he gets all this huge amount of measurement. And I said, great, what does the data tell you? And he looked at me and said, I have no idea. It's four gigabytes of data. How am I supposed to look at that? So yeah. this idea of, and, and that's a ridiculous example, but I've seen dashboards with 30 things. Yeah. Okay. I'm not going to look at 30 things every day. Yeah, Show me the yeah. three things that really, really matter. And in fact, fewer things, there's always the fear that we're not measuring something. And if we don't measure it, it will go terribly wrong. But I think that's where, if you understand the, the logic behind this concept, you end up focusing very much on the right things yeah. and you measure the right things. And, and of course, we've already highlighted there is a need to measure performance in order to get to the measurement of effect. But we've talked a lot on this podcast in the past about Auschwitz tactic, mission command, you know, these ideas about don't tell people what to do, tell them what to achieve. Well, if we take that as a really important principle, and it is in the military very much a really important principle of how we execute operations, you tell people what their mission is. So, you know, I want you to go and do this in order to achieve something else. That, in order to achieve, is the effect. Mm. And what you're allowing people by having mission command is if the situation changes such that the go and do this is no longer relevant because the context of the operating environment has changed, the enemy have overrun that position, or uh, but they still understand the in order to, they understand how what they were going to do is going to support the wider mission, the context of their bit of the plan, they can then start to make local judgments about how they can continue to support that wider mission. And there are loads of really good examples of people taking the initiative because they understood the wider context and how what the enemy have just done is going to undermine the, the wider mission. It's really important in this that the mission itself, what you've been asked to do, that is the performance. Go and assault position, that's what you've been asked to do. That is activity. That is an action. So you are measuring performance. Did the platoon arrive at the line of departure on time? Did they have all their kit and equipment? That's performance. Did they have all their weapons? Did they assault at H hour? Did they carry out the drills correctly? Did they overrun the position? That's all performance. The effect, the in order to, you are to assault that position in order to create a feint to draw the enemy's attention 
so that the this larger attack can get into place. Th- that's what you need to then measure is did that assault, because we've now just measured the performance and said, yes, that all happened and they did really well. Did that have the effect of diverting the attention away from the, this the, is the wider operation? This this leads me to one of the one of hopefully for me today at least the most useful statements to make for people in business. And I and I think this relates to the military as well, but business very much, which is, and I I'm I'm going to say this and everyone's going to well of course this is really obvious why you're saying this, but I've seen it so many times go so wrong. I've seen businesses that are focused on activity and not progress. Yes. And and there's a really good example. It's a military example of this in a really tangible way. So measure of performance is a measure of the mission. Are we doing things right? So are you doing things the way you were taught? Are you using the equipment properly? Blah, 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 blah. Measure of effect is the measure of the intent. Are we doing the right? things and here's a really good example in about 2005 in iraq the americans realized that improvised explosive devices were having a catastrophic effect on the coalition's overall mission it was becoming a strategic problem so the u.s air force were flying an aircraft called the u2 dragon lady and our listeners probably are aware the u2 big spy plane flies very high the one that Gary Powers got shot down over and, the street. James May did an excellent TV program where he did started it? crying. Oh, it's very good. Ah, it's very okay. good. Not the crying bit, but the, mm. the... It's a phenomenal aircraft, and that's why it's still in service. I think it's about to be retired, but, you know, it has been for 50 years or so. Spy aircraft, there for surveillance and reconnaissance. The US Air Force decided to dedicate the use of this aircraft to counter improvised explosive devices in Iraq. And it has all sorts of sensors on it, and it, it can identify, using its cameras and stuff, potential devices in the road or you know, side of the road or it whatever. It can spot a Timex from three miles up. That sort of thing, yeah. So very, very useful, hopefully, in helping mitigate the effects of these improvised explosive devices. They ran this, uh, this operation for something like five or six years, and it was only when the Pentagon were going to cut the U-2 and and finally retire it out of service. And the U.S. Air Force said, we can't do that because we really need this capability. We need the funding to keep it going. We need lots of evidence to justify how useful this aircraft is. It did this operation in Iraq. It was a strategic thing. It must have saved thousands of lives. Let's go and do a study into how many lives it saved so we can present that to the Pentagon. That'll be a really convincing argument to say, let's keep the aircraft. So they got a U.S. Air Force colonel to go and look at this stuff. How many lives do you think the U-2 over five years of doing this saved? I don't know. Well, don't know. the fact that I'm asking is either going to be a really big number I was, well, I'm, or a I'm, really I'm, little I'm, number again. I, even before you tell me the answer, what's really interesting to me is something has already failed and some... They're going back to our, the moment you observe something, the fact that they don't know the impact or the effect of the U2 is bad. The fact that someone was asked to go and write a report 
is bad because the implication is that report better show that the U2 does a good job. So there's two bad things happening here. Well, there's potential that it didn't. And, and the reality is this report came back and, and the colonel said, I'm not sure we can actually show it saved any lives at all. In fact, all the evidence I found has, has shown that we wasted a lot of time. Now, that's not to say it didn't, but in the investigation, they couldn't find any and lots of evidence to suggest that they'd wasted a really, really important capability and they'd wasted the potential to save lives. Now, this is this story is tragic, but really, really important. So on a measurement of performance perspective, they flew it flew ninety-seven percent or whatever it was of the missions, which for a U-2 being a really complex aircraft to fly is really good. So well done to all the maintenance teams, well done to the Air Force for doing that. The sensors operated. So the sensors that are really complex and technical, you know, 98% of the time the sensors were operational and were working. So brilliant, well done. They got to the right areas to take the right images or whatever it was. So the tasking was really, really good. And the information required to do all the mission planning, perfect, brilliant. The images were coming back and then going to the image analysts, wherever they are, to do the processing and the analysis and the interpretation. And every so often, they were finding potential devices. They were highlighting things and saying, this looks like it could or is probably a roadside bomb or, or whatever. So that was good. And you're not expecting to find one every time, but, but you know. all the performance metrics were green. This is all good. But that, no, I'm, and I'm using a very specific. Yeah, our business language. All the performance metrics are green. Uh, we use the same our traffic light card. system. We use the same traffic light system. Yeah, absolutely. So everyone's patting themselves on the back, and everyone's assuming we're saving lots of lives. The analysis takes place. The intelligence products are created. The mission reports, whatever. Those are going back into Iraq, and getting filtered down that intelligence system to the battalions, the battle groups that need them. That needs know where the bombs are. What they're getting are reports that say, in this area, there is a roadside bomb. So it all sounds really good, except they're getting them four days on average after they needed that information. So the a roadside bomb in Iraq, an IED in Iraq, was in the ground for less than a day, a few hours. And what the insurgents tended to do was either detonate the device or recover it no. and reuse it or it was found by the coalition and, and removed so a piece of intelligence coming four days later to say we think that we've got a high confidence of the device in this area isn't that useful and most of the time what was happening was the the battalion intelligence officer was taking this information and saying yeah we know because we found that device yesterday because expletin drove over it or that's really useless because we're not patrolling that. We patrolled there yesterday. We're over here now. The problem was there was no feedback. So there was no way for everybody in this very convoluted system of systems to say, this isn't working for me. I need this information quicker. And for that to go all the way through back to the mission planning teams in the Air Force to either speed up or say, we can't do that. And therefore, we're not going to use this capability. We'll find another way of doing it. People could be listening to this podcast and say, well, actually, I'm very good. I understand the difference between performance and effect. And I 
you know, Chris, that's great for you to, to mention that we should record or measure the smallest number of all of these things are good. The bit that I think then becomes interesting for people. And by the way, I don't think as many people master this as it sounds, but why does it go wrong? And this is, I see this all the time. And it's this, it, again, it goes back to this original. It's all green. It's yeah. all green until it's not green. Yeah. And, and you, you started by saying about the feedback. Yeah. And so I think that the, the feed, the feedback loop is a really good example that you do need to do that. But I want to go one level deeper again that says the answer was there wasn't feedback. So write that down, everyone. You should regularly check that the, the, the performance is connected to the effect. But why is it though that we, we still make these mistakes? Yeah. That's the answer. But the thing that here's the magic for me. How could I go into my business today, look at the performance metrics and say, wait a minute, stop. These are not the right performance metrics I need to change. How yes. do we do that? So the process you need to go through is, you know, it comes back to this idea of understanding what you do, whether you sweep the floors, whether you're in HR, whether you're in the C-suite, it doesn't really matter. If everybody in the organization knows what they do and how that contributes to what the organization does, it's really a much easier job for the leaders, for the commanders, for the senior managers to then talk about why their performance is going to have, or why we assume is going to have a positive effect. Now, when somebody makes a decision about what we're going to do, if they do it properly, they do it in the way the military does it. So they decide what effect they want to have first, and then they think about how they're going to achieve it. If you fall into the trap of assuming that you've seen this problem before, so we're going to do what we did last time, you haven't explicitly said, we're going to do this in order to achieve something. We're going to have this effect, or this is the effect we want to have. Now, of course, whether you do that explicitly or it's something you've done before, as long as people know what you're trying to achieve, you can now start to think about how you're going to measure whether you're achieving it or not. Crucially, though, you need to know what your metric is going to be, and you need to know how you're going to measure that, and you need to know what success looks like. And it might be a subjective thing. So if we take the example of I think I'm on the podcast, I've sort of talked about this in the past, and I used the example of losing weight, and I asked you if I'd lost weight, and you didn't know because you don't know what I weigh. You don't know what I weighed last week. And, and part of the problem is we talk about KPIs and we talk about these things after the fact because people want the good news. All right, tell me how well I'm doing. They haven't had the conversation back when they did their strategic review, back when they did their quarterly planning to say, this is what we're going to measure. So in three months' time, we want to see these results. Well, you're you're talking explicitly about leading and lagging indicators. Yeah. And so, the, the, I mean, I think you've already described it pretty well. A lagging indicator tells you how you have done, and there is no way to change that number. Absolutely. No, actually, better. There is no way to change the effect. That is the effect. Yes. A leading indicator are indicators that tell you how you are doing on your progress to the desired effect. Yeah. And that's another classic thing, which is how do I, you know, monthly logins is a 
well, monthly active users is a classic one in the SaaS software world. How many people logged in this month? Congratulations, that is a lagging indicator. Yeah. That's not going to tell you how to change anything. That's going to give you a lagging history of what has happened in yeah. the past. And, and also, what you're, what you're not doing there is attributing any kind of causal yeah. effect. What we're trying to do by doing this as a leading indicator is say, we are going to have this effect. We're going to sell more widgets. Right. How are we going to sell more widgets? Well, we're going to increase the quality and decrease the cost. Cool. How are we going to do that? Right. Engineers have gone away and they've come back and said, right, we can use this material. That's cheaper. Whatever. Blah, 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 blah. That work they've done is going to increase the performance. So can you measure that you have produced widgets cheaper? Yes, you can. Are they higher quality? You can measure this. Yes, you can. Has that had the effect of selling more units cheaper? We can measure that. What we also need to do is say, we decided we were going to do this, and this was where success looked like, and we were going to measure it using this way of measuring. Now, if you're selling units, that's a relatively easy thing to measure. If it's increasing confidence in a brand, that's a harder thing to measure. And in a military capacity, if it's dislocating the enemy, and dislocate is a very explicit military effect, very difficult to measure dislocate by the number of bombs you've dropped. So dislocate as a military effect, very difficult to actually measure directly in the same way that in the commercial world, measuring you know, increased confidence yeah. or positive belief in a brand, you can't measure it directly. That's okay as long as you recognize that at the point before you make the change. And you say, how are we, this is the assumption we're making. So in a military sense, if we're going to dislocate, we're going to destroy that enemy command and control location. So let's say we know where it is. We're going to destroy it. We're going to drop a bomb on it. Now, we've decided we're going to destroy. That's a supporting effect, destroy, in order to dislocate. How are we going to destroy it? Well, we've got, we can assault the position. We could drop a bomb on it. We could fire a cruise missile. Lots of options. We could do some sort of electronic attack. Let's weigh up the pros and cons. Let's work out what we're going to do. Why are we trying to do it? Well, we're trying to dislocate the enemy. What does dislocate mean? Well, it means they don't have the ability to cohere their forces, communications difficult, et cetera, et cetera. How are we going to measure their dislocation? And that's where you go to your intelligence staff and you say, what are the signatures that show their coherence now, that show their ability to coordinate? Well, maybe we can observe how they're moving around the battle space in formation, following sort of doctrinal patterns, you know, their logistics is tied up with their manoeuvre. Maybe we could continue to watch that and watch that break down, and that would be a proxy for dislocation. Or maybe we could listen to their the amount of communications and see if that massively drops off or massively increases. These are proxy measurements, but that's okay as long as you are using those proxy measurements and you're, you're explicitly doing it, and you know what the start state is. What does now look like so that we can measure the change? So there's some really, really interesting points as we go through this. So the first thing is, I've been in some really painful discussions about KPIs. And every business, every year, if they're reasonably smart, says, what are the KPIs we're going to track and what are the effects, all this kind of stuff. I, not only do they talk about it too much, 
but they also talk about it too little. So what you've just described there, I thought, was a really interesting chain of effect-based decisions. Yeah. Here's an effect we want to have. Now, how do we, let's talk about, okay, we need to know what's at the beginning, what's at the end. Hey, how would you measure this? What does that look like? I, I just don't get the feeling that businesses do it quite in that way. It gets down to, well, how many widgets did we make? How much do we sell? You and won't it, be surprised, Chris. Militaries don't do this as well. Hence it, it's the hard. It, problem. It, it, it's yeah. very hard. And, and, and it's made harder by, by two things. Well, lots of things. And we'll, we'll go into those in a, in a minute. But, but fundamentally, you talked at the beginning about nervousness. When you are starting Measure. to ask questions yeah. about measuring things, people get nervous. Well, there's, there's several aspects to this. One is if people in a senior position are asking questions about performance, well, you're now judging me. If yeah. you ask if I'm doing things well, you know, I always want the answer to be yes. So I'm going to present to you the information to that shows yeah, yeah, yeah. even if I'm not. So if I've missed eight hour, and an eight hour means you know, the the time that you're supposed to cross the line of departure to carry out the assault. And it's a golden rule in the military, you never miss HR. And, and because that's how you synchronize plans, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, if you're going to miss HR, you, you want to not show that to your boss. But of course, if you're missing HR, that might mean you're in the wrong position. There might be artillery fire coming down. And it, so, it comes back to my point as well. Why do I want to know you missed HR? Is it to punish you? Or is it to adjust the plan? Or is it to adjust the plan? Or is yeah. it to say, you need my help? We didn't give you enough time to yeah. get there. Or is it, it turns out we shouldn't have attacked from there. And you can see here, there is a link to subject we talked about before. And we'll continue about mutual trust, so, about empowerment, about psychological safety. Those are subjects for another day. But you can see why it's important that there is, there is a flow of information that allows people to know what's going on. But also, equally, when you're asking these questions and saying, I am trying to measure your performance, it's not so that I can grade you and, you know, it's going to be your performance well, be and, your and money. Let's, or... let's be honest, because often that is how unsophisticated people yep. measure people. Um, I wanted to go back to something else you said, which I thought was really interesting about the dislocation. I would hypothesize that we are heavily inclined to measure effects that can be easily measured. Yeah. And so the, the one that we always have is, and I, I, I loved your statement, which was we measure revenue, we measure sales because it's easy to measure. In fact, it's one of the most easy things to measure. But what if I met my sales targets, but in doing so, everyone hates me with a fiery burning passion? Yeah. Because there's a leading indicator that I may not make those sales next year. Absolutely. And so your dislocation was, I thought, was such an interesting topic because what you didn't mean was, was the building they were in destroyed? That's quite easy yeah. in inverted commas to measure. I can go take a photograph. I can go have a look. Yeah, but they might have moved to the next building. Yeah. What you really wanted to understand was dislocation. And, yeah. And there's a risk. And I'm sure this is true. Well, in fact, I know this is true in Vietnam. This was the classic in Vietnam. We will measure dead bodies. Yeah. 
That is not the right thing to measure. That's an easy thing to measure. And you can quite easily convince yourself that if we kill that many Vietnamese, North Vietnamese soldiers at some point, we are having the right effect. In fact, that was not. If they had said, what is the impact on morale, on belief that they can win the war, then yeah. that's much harder to track, yeah. but a much more... Uh, Going back to my point about we talk about KPIs too much and we don't yeah. talk about KPIs enough. I, in this scenario, I could imagine we could spend days and days talking about how we measure dead people yeah, and not enough days saying, how do we measure morale? Yeah. And how do we measure an, a, a willingness to continue to fight? Or um, in, in, and, and we've gone full circle because I use the example of Afghanistan and the Heisenberg principle. Yeah. The fact that you know, if you're measuring dead bodies, if you're measuring how much of the area you can patrol because you have freedom of movement, then you're missing the wider strategic point. If you're going into the town so that you can talk to the locals to work out how your impact projects about building a school, about educating the local local political leaders and religious leaders about rule of law and about judicial processes and if you're going into the town to measure that and the impact that's having, firstly, it's incredibly hard to do. And secondly, you're going to have an effect by turning up that is potentially negative because you're going to, you know, draw the enemy. You're yeah. going to, you know. So we in Afghanistan fell into these traps in the same way that we did in Vietnam and your know, counterinsurgencies are really difficult because the strategic effects you want to have are really difficult to measure because it's all about hearts and minds it's all about dislocating the enemy from the population it's all it's not about how effective you are on the battlefield in fact the less you fight arguably that is a metric for how successful you're being if you can patrol in an area and engage with the locals and build rule of law and enable engineers to come and build schools, then you are having a really successful impact. However, what what do military leaders want to judge of their junior commanders? Well, it's, you know, how how many contacts they got in, how many bad guys they killed, how many the heroics, the, well, the things that we we treasure as military people, we don't necessarily treasure the intangible, soft effects, the things because effectively the military there is to enable other people. This is no different to the civilian world though. And actually I want I, this this may or may not be an episode, and it may even be an episode that we do and never publish given given what I do. You've just described one of the challenges of measuring product management. Yeah. Product management measures delivery of product. Yeah. In the language we have used, it is measuring performance. Yeah. It is not measuring effect. Yeah. And in fact, the, 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 the next, so at one level, you have to measure performance yeah. because it's the, do I have enough widgets to sell? But the next level that we get to is, do the people use our software? And even that doesn't scratch the itch for me because the statement, it, using the language of effect, yeah. I wish to create an environment where more people wish to pay money 
or the software we have and, and choose to use it instead yeah. of someone else's software. And this and, is why and that's not anything we measure. That's this is why in the, especially in the software world, but in the commercial world, I have always struggled with the idea of having a customer relationship manager and a customer relationship management team, because to me, what you're doing there is dislocating the I'm using the word dislocate a lot in this podcast, but you're dislocating. Nothing. Oh God, I'm drink <laughs> You're dislocating the 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 things that are important to measure from the people that have the impact. So your sales team, your marketing team, your product development team, your complaint handling team. They should all be customer relationship managers as well, because strategically, the effect they are trying to have is all about making the customer better or making life for the customer better. And if you have somebody else's job it is to go and work on that and deal with that and measure that, then your marketing team is suddenly now not interested in the customer. They're interested in the sales figures. I think it's interesting in defense of customer services and and i'm lucky i work in a business right now where actually i'm pretty confident everyone feels they play that role but i i I agree i I do get what you mean And, and again it comes back to i think maybe the big lesson here is and actually we should round this off in a minute the big lesson is i don't know that we think about the effect enough i think we think a lot about doing things we think a lot about performance we think about the things that we it's, it almost goes back to this thing where we've talked about planning, where you do planning once a year and call it done. People say, what is the effect I want? I want this effect. What are the five things I must do to achieve this effect? And then for the rest of the year, we focus on those five things. Yeah. And we almost yeah. forget, well, hang on. No, no. The whole point was the effect. Yeah. Yes, we should concentrate on the five things. Did we do enough widgets, blah, blah, But actually... Is that the right effect? And are we doing the things that lead to that effect? Yeah. And, and of course, this is made harder as well because within organizations there are different layers of that organization so what you end up with is potentially somebody who has the desired effect not being the same person or the same part of the organization that delivers the action that will achieve that effect and we saw that with the u2 example but if we take my dislocate through destruction of a command and control node If we said that was a land, let's say a divisional commander in the army wants to achieve that dislocate, but for whatever reason, that has been given as a task to the Air Force because they're going to go and deliver the bomb that's going to destroy the command and control bunker. If the Air Force don't know why they're doing this and the army don't have a very good working relationship with the tactical part of the Air Force that's going to deliver this effect, what you effectively end up doing is the Air Force are now only interested in measuring whether the bomb went off and if they hit yeah, the target. Performance. And so the only data the Army now have to go off is some images of a smoking crater, whereas actually they might have wanted all the information about communications emanating from that bunker. But the people who have the ability to collect that didn't know and didn't do it. And, and so there's disparate bits of the organisation. So we're once again back to... Good communication flows, transparency, trust. These are important things. I I love it. Every time we do these podcasts and these different topics, it comes, and particularly when you think about trust. Yeah. 
Trust is another one of these ones that people say, really, yeah. I don't need to trust you to be effective. And, and each week we come back and say, these are not signs of weakness or signs of niceness or, yeah. you know, I'll use the woke word. These are signs of effectiveness. Yeah. I trust you. I'm going to tell you what I'm going to achieve. I'm going to empathize with you. I'm going to, all of these things are about effectiveness. And what if, what if to compound that even more, we're in a situation where one department is asking for something and another department is asking for something and there isn't enough resource to go around. So they now feel like they're in competition with each other. Even if the Air Force know that the Army are interested in doing this for a dislocate, do you think they're going to share that information? And you see this, and and it you see it at a very very tactical level, and and shockingly, you see it where people are deliberately hiding information because they want another bit of the organisation to look bad, because in effect it makes them look better, because they're all in competition for resources, and this is where you end up with what starts off as healthy competition and you know, rivalry can very quickly become toxic behaviours. And police forces struggle with this a huge amount, where the budgets are directed not on effect, but on performance. And so it's about number of crimes. Number of arrests. Number of arrests. It's, It's not about how do the people in society feel about their trust in the police force, about their safety on the street. And so, you know, Somerset and Avon police force, I'm picking on you know, random police forces here, but they are less likely to be incentivized to share information that are going to allow, you know, the police, you know, the metropolitan police force solve some crimes because they're in competition for budget or there's going to be a league table or a ranking. So we've got to be really careful about KPIs and measures of performance driving strategic decision-making as opposed to strategic decision-making driving the measures of effect out of that flowing the measures of performance. The final thing I want to talk about is the the difficulty of second and third order consequence effects. The things that you've done, the effects you've had that you weren't trying to have, you weren't planning on having, and equally, other people in the environment affecting that space as well. It might be that we've destroyed the command and control bunker and we want to dislocate the enemy, but it might be that at the same time, there's a particular religious holiday that affects the behaviour of the enemy force. If we don't have that information, we might assume that we have been successful at dislocating them. And it might be that actually over that period, they all laid down their arms and gone back to their villages because it's a religious holiday. It might be that we've been doing something with the stated aim of having a positive effect. And actually, it turns out we are doing that, but we're also having a really, really negative effect. Militaries do this all the time where they go into a local area, they provide security and they, they provide the conditions for rule of law and they do all these great things and they take the fight to the enemy and, and they also ruin the economy because they bring millions of well, dollars there's, of contracts. There, there's some, there's lots of really good examples. I mean, in, in, in my world, there is, of course, the sales, which is like 
what is the effect of achieving the sales in the way you have achieved them? Yeah. But there's a there's another one as well, which is a Burberry. So, and and I'm I'm not an expert on Burberry, so someone should certainly write in and tell me I'm completely wrong here. But Burberry wanted to increase sales, and so they took a luxury brand and they started using that luxury brand as a non-luxury brand, and so everyone had Burberry. Yeah. And so in the short term, look at this fantastic effect. Our sales have doubled and tripled. Yeah. But actually the unexpected outcome was that Burberry as a brand now is is nowhere because it's no longer considered a luxury brand. Yeah. And so the, the the effect they wanted was an increase in revenue and they declared success. Yeah. The unexpected outcome of that activity was that actually long term the brand decreased in its value yeah and you've got your nokia and your kodak examples of you know, not understanding other active effects on the operating environment as well so you can all sell, of this I mean, just on that you can imagine the burberry team though sent emails congratulating each other yeah. on the best sales year ever yeah and if you'd have said to them have you done a good thing this year they would have said we have done and we are brilliant. Yeah. No one else could have done this except us. So this is another, I think this is another cautionary tale, which is if you achieve your effect, you are triply, quadruply less likely to question whether you did the right things to achieve that effect. We won. Yeah. Why are you suggesting we didn't win? We won. Yeah. Demonstrably. We said this is the effect we wanted. Yeah. We're all good. As opposed to actually, this we did achieve the effect we wanted. Did did we understand all the other things that would happen? And, the, and this this comes back to, and I think we can round this off now. The the multiple layers of command, multiple layers of strategy. So presumably at the board in Burberry, there is a long-term strategy, and there's probably some mission statement. I don't know what Burberry is, but it will be to, you know, be the most exclusive, you know, apparel brand on the market or whatever it is. Does that relate to what they're doing now? And somewhere in that layer of command, somebody, probably a chief operating officer or a head of marketing, has created the assumption that increased sales is going to help them get towards or continue to have that strategic goal of being a world-renowned, high-value, luxury, Veblen, mm. you know, apparel brand. This is the same with the Afghanistan story and the, the Vietnam story and many other military operations and big projects that have failed and companies that have gone bust is Somewhere along the line, there is a disconnect between what you're currently doing and where you're trying to get to. And if every six months in Afghanistan, an operational commander is congratulating their brigade for having the most decisive effect of any deployment in, in the Afghan campaign so far, and that's happening every six months, and no one's standing back and saying, apparently we've had yet another most decisive success, but we're not getting closer to you know, creating the conditions where we can withdraw. If the information that's coming out is about numbers of Afghan police, these are measures of performance, not measures of effect. The number of Afghan police, the number of the Afghan army, 
these become measures of performance that people make strategic decisions on rather than the effects that we're trying to be achieved, which is confidence in the government, their ability to stand on their own feet. And it's really easy in hindsight to, to kind of do I was going to say, I mean, I... that disconnect that is really important in understanding this measurement of effect has to be driven by what you're trying to achieve. And that from that, you have to decide what your measures of performance are going to be to measure, are we doing the right things and are we doing things right? And, and so you've got to ask the first question before you ask the second. And then finally, you have to recognize that there are multiple layers of command and what you're trying to achieve has to align with what the wider organization is trying to achieve. And this is where measurement of effect has to link to wider understanding of the context so that when you're starting to make strategic plans, you're working off the same assumptions about the operating environment. You've got the same gaps. You've got the same assessments. When you're making assumptions, everybody knows there are assumptions that need testing. And when you're going into the actual operating process of doing, of doing activities and actions, of engaging with customers, of patrolling the streets of whichever war-torn town it is, you are working out what the baseline looks like. What does it look like now? What's it going to look like in three months? What do we want it to look like? How are we going to know what other people are acting and what effects might they have and how might that undermine what we're doing? And so this becomes an incredibly complex thing. And we're back to you know, the Heisenberg principle. And so what can seem like a scientific and statistical analytics problem very quickly becomes a subjective and strategic leadership problem. I think that is a good place to finish. And it's it's another one of those episodes where I walk away going, I need to think about this. I And I wonder whether we, maybe there's a risk today we've talked about it at sort of a geopolitical level and a war level, but I think all of this is so directly relevant to people running businesses today. I would ask everyone listening, take a really good look at what your business has been planning. Has Is it planning around an effect or is it planning around performance? And those are two different things. And it is hard. I mean, I think we've, we've, we've kind of really poked around that. It's really hard, but the, the benefits of getting it right are there for everyone. All right. Well, look, let's call it today. Thank you for that, Gareth. Hope you've all enjoyed that. Uh, we haven't said this enough. We were gratified in the last couple of weeks as we've been looking at the numbers that are going up and up and up. But uh, we'd love if you could help us. So wherever you get your podcasts, if you could rate or even write a review, I believe that helps with the algorithms. Get in touch with us. Tell us whether you disagree radically or otherwise. That's actually a lot more fun when people disagree with us or, or talk to us about concepts they've got. So we're battling with biz on X, previously known as Twitter. We're battling with business2s's at gmail.com. Tell your friends, subscribe if you're listening to this the first time and haven't subscribed. Otherwise, thank you very much. And we'll see you next time on Battling with Business. Wonderful. Cheerio. Mm-hmm.